Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host, Honest Abe, of this week's KMA episode number 406. Uh, We are broadcasting live from uh, multiple different areas, and uh, I'm here. If somebody wants to jump on, I I believe I have two co-hosts. Well, there's one of them. (laughs) Are you, are you I usually pre- wait. Are you a little preoccupied this morning? No, I, I usually wait for you to introduce us, and then I put the person live that oh. you're going to introduce first. In oh, fairness, okay. he's right, because you never know who you're going to like throw out there first, so it's always a guessing game. Well, joining us... That's the first time Alex has backed me. The Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco. And I'm in a dilemma here. I, I don't know if we should still call him the... The South Paul from South Philly, or do the people have here? spoken. The Billy Goat. Uh, of course, you had a. Oh, why are they calling him the Billy Goat? Because of his beard? No, somebody gave him the name Goat, and it stuck. Now he thinks he's the Goat. No, no, I don't. That's think a. I'm, the people have spoken, bro. This is not me. It's not a me thing. I mean, it is. I mean, but that's a compliment. He's the greatest of all time. No, I just threw Billy in front. Right, because Abe, in fairness, has to, you know. Give it a little kick. It's only the height thing. It's similar, <laughs> that's all. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that is what it is. I, can't so I don't know. We might have to call him the goat. KMA's very <laughs> My crowning, shining moment. Paul, what is going on in your house? You are Can you shut off, please? What's happening? What do you mean? Here. Whatever that drilling sound is, Roomba's still running or something's running. I can hear it. No, I turned Roomba off. Alex, mute your mic. Not Alex. Am I the only person who's hearing this? I hear it. Paul, mute your mic. Uh-huh. Paul. Do I sound better now? Yes. Yeah. Whatever you did is much better. Okay. Well, then I'll yeah. shut up. Yeah, there was a sound earlier. Paul had to run out of the room and go, Alexa, turn rumba off. <laughs> <laughs> And guess what? It didn't stop. I said, Rumba's no. just like his wife. Doesn't listen to him either. Uh, you know what it is? It was probably the, the fan on my on my laptop, because I usually use my my normal laptop odd, uh, microphone. That's definitely it, what it was. It did yeah. sound like a fan, I have to admit. So that must have been what it was. Oops. That was me. Well, so it's it's been a while. Shots Paul isn't that. wearing a robe. You should have wore a robe. Evan, I have it right here. I'll wear it. But, you know, I was trying to class it up a little bit. We have Michael Herklotz on. He's known for his uh, his attire. Then you, you know, should have wear... worn an ascot with a robe. Right. No, I have you know, Actually, damn it. I have a jacket sitting right here that I was going to wear for the show. Hold on. I'm going to put it on. In Hold fairness, on. the three of us are men of the robe. We might as well do a robe episode one day. Absolutely. No, no. Not only do a robe episode, we ask all the fans to do a robe ep- episode. Yeah. Post, post their robe pics. And we'll figure out a price. Did Paul leave the show? Or he went to get the jacket? Oh, God. Here we go. Paul. Here we go. Now I feel better. Here's here's the real aristocrat test. Paul, do, do you own an ascot? 
<laughs> uh, I did. I do not now. What happened to your What happened to your Ascot? Listen, when I moved to Florida, my wife told me you're never gonna have to dress up except for like weddings and funerals. So I had like 15 suits and and lots of shirts and ties, and she's like, "Get rid of a lot of this stuff. We're not gonna have that kind of room." Because at the time we were living in an apartment. So a lot of it got uh, thrown away. I had an ascot that I wore to a wedding that I had to wear as a groomsman in a wedding. How, bad is, to, it, how bad is it that I know he would have an ascot? But I used to wear it. I used to wear it with my robe to like mess with people. When we'd have like drinking parties at our house, I'd come out with my robe and the ascot on. Those were the days. I have to give props to uh, KMA top fan, Chris Ellis. I don't think he's watching today. I haven't seen him pop up. But uh, I am sporting... The smoke in '96, Honest Abe jersey. That thing is awesome, man. Dude, I love this shirt. The jersey, yeah, that I love thing's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So I, uh, I want him to know that I am en- thoroughly enjoying wearing the jersey. It was one of the coolest things that somebody sent me. So thank you very much. Very cool. Paul looks like a bad sports announcer. Thanks, Allison. <laughs> Paul, Paul looks like an out, Paul looks like an out of work show producer. <laughs> when I when I posted the robe picture the other day, Evan Darnell, uh, the uh, Secretary of State from the Red Meat Lovers Club, said, "I'm witnessing a professional rock bottom right now." It was. I agreed. <laughs> so my, I, the, the, my favorite comment was you made a post about the day you decided to move to Florida and all this stuff. It was a very touching, heartwarming post. And then I commented, yeah, that was the beginning of the downside of my life. Yeah, and, my, and did you notice my father-in-law loved that comment? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I found that hilarious. I didn't know that was your father-in-law. I just figured it was somebody you knew. But, yeah, he was, like, all for it. Yeah, that's 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 my uh, that's my father-in-law. <laughs> big, big now, that fan of mine. You, now that I know it's your better. father-in-law, it makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> now I got a friend request him. Right. Oh, uh, he's off Facebook now. Why? Boy. I mean, he he has Boy. he has uh, deleted his Facebook and his Twitter account, uh, and he's only using Parler. So, well, you guess, good thing you he downloaded it because you can't get it anymore. Parler, Google Play, and Apple Store. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, he has it, but um, yeah, he uh, after the whole uh, debacle this week in politics and. Twitter banning Trump and whatnot, he decided he didn't want to be a part of them anymore. So, Abe, hey, you're uh, not familiar with Parler? I, they were talking yeah. about it for five it's, minutes. It's this like awful social media kind of app. It was that, like MeWe, wasn't it? Like, yeah, well, yeah, but it became like the conservative landing space where conservatives can all talk conservative stuff and not get banned. It's I not, know, it's not specifically for that, but it has it's become. Not, that. That's what it's become. Yeah. Alex, you look like you're seeing like. Unusually low. I'm unusually low. Yeah, you like this on the screen. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a low person. I'm a low person. I like that. <laughs> what does that say? I'm, I'm above you then? I I'm think a you've got person. issues if that's the case. We're <laughs> uh, probably floating around the same space, Paul. By the way, I, I love all the different unique smoking mugs we've made all over the years. I, I, I even forgot how many different variations we made of these things. 
You know what's interesting? I actually accidentally, instead of grabbing my KMA, I did grab my Winter Wonderland mug, but I'm okay with that. Ah, nice. Yeah, that was a big hit this year, actually, the Winter Wonderland mug. I saw a lot of people posting that. Well, what happened with the mugs were, um, I, I, I think for two years now, maybe three years, every Christmas, just as a little cool little thing, I would have custom mugs made for everybody who worked for me. Different Everyone a different pattern. That's what mine is. It was from one of the years. And then she puts all the employees' names on them. So we've done that for years. That's why when you see my wife with the purple one or, or, or Ooh, all I like the that color one. ones we got. And then, you know, we just had our two normal business ones, the wood grain and the mahogany. And then we did this really, like, small run. I wanted to see how it looked like uh, a smoke-colored cup. This one. Right, one that kind of looked like smoke, and we just did a small run thirty. I didn't think you know people would go for it. I just wanted to see how it looked like. It was kind of experimentation, and they went like in one afternoon. It was like we did thirty of them; they were gone, and that's kind of when I kind of got the idea to do the um, the limited edition. Like you know, these weren't numbered or nothing; we, we weren't planning on it. But then uh, we did the um, limited edition, and the Winter Wonderland, the one that Alex has got, was our first one. Only 50 made. They were numbered, and I think they're gone. Or there might be like. Oh, so there's only 50? I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of posts. Show, show the back. Show the back, Alex. See, they're all numbered. It'll, ah. it'll, yeah, it'll tell you that, that. It'll tell you that's the collection series, the first one. Winter Wonderland's a name. It tells you a date. What number you got? 47 out of 50? 47. Yeah. You didn't even get the one of the first 10, Alex? You worked there. Oh, that's not the way it works at Smoking. The customers come first, and, and we get what's left, bud. Even better. You know, they, they started selling so fast. Well, what happened was, what happened was, um, they weren't numbered on the outside of the boxes, so we had no way to differentiate. So I don't even think they went out in order. Like, if somebody ordered second, they didn't get number cup number two because they would have had to open up all 50 to figure out which cup was what. Oh. So... But yeah, they're they're nice, and I think we're gonna do like maybe two releases a year, like just special design, one-off, fifty-run cups. That's it. The cups uh, are great, man. Dude, I live by them. I got them all over. I well, live the, by them. The thing that's great about them is it's that 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 insulated aluminum. So I have one somewhere here. Yeah, it's sitting right next to my bed. I live by that KMA cup, I but I only them. put I only put water in it. Do you mix water and coffee in your cups? Yeah. Oh no 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 no. You, right. And once you put coffee in anything, it always tastes like coffee. I don't drink water out of these. I'll be honest with you. I drink mostly hot liquids, coffee okay. or, you know, or tea. I, I, I use one of these for water. I Does am with Paul. Cold? I have a separate one for coffee. Yeah, I mean, so do I really. But I, I would never fill that up with water. I'd fill this up with water first. Okay, okay. But wow, like, you're like a, a, real, a real gym rat with that bottle, man. Got to drink that water. <laughs> so, so it was an interesting week why oh are we not gonna talk about uh stuff oh you mean just about our guest well our interesting yeah of course our guest the craziness in politics the i mean we haven't talked to each other in uh, on the air in what five weeks i've tuned myself out of politics completely. oh god that's so great i, I, I don't want to listen to it i don't turn on the tv I, I texted Alex because I, I, I was busy. What was it? Tuesday? I was real busy, right? So I texted Alex. Like, it was 930 at night. I said, 
what the fuck is going on? I just turned on the TV for a second. He's like, dude, they stormed the Capitol building. I'm like, no shit. Like, I didn't even know. <laughs> and then went about your day. But I tell you oh, what. No, this is like 11 o'clock at night. He finally got, got yeah. himself back in the loop of what was going on. But I, but I tell you what, like, I'm, I'm, uh, my life's a lot more peaceful and, and pleasant and happy. And I just don't engage, man. I don't care. I really don't care. I think they all suck. I think they're all thieves. I think they're all finding the best ways they could rob us. So why waste my time? I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with people who are all caught up in it, too. It just doesn't get us anywhere. It's going to live my best life. I'm done with it. And I, it, I, I love it. it. That's I love great. It. Dude, I'm a little behind in shit. Somebody, somebody, one of our fans, Wes, Wes, Wes Reigner, he made this great meme about our Cigar of the Month Club. And I was too embarrassed to say, I, you know, okay, I, looks cool, whatever. And um, it was the twisted tea scene of the two guys in the convenience store. I saw it. That was hilarious. Okay, but I was too embarrassed. Then I kept seeing all these twisted tea things on, on Facebook. I finally texted all the guys from the shop. Alex, was like, all right, dude, guys, I, I know I'm out of it. What the what the heck is with all the twisted tea memes? And like they all started laughing at me. And they showed me the video, and like four days later, I finally understood his meme. And then I posted it on Facebook because I didn't even get it the first time around. So you didn't see it on Facebook before? I mean, you're pretty you're pretty on social media. You didn't you see know, but, anything but, 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 about it. Listen, Let me explain Abe social media. Abe social media consists of eighty notifications in fifteen minutes. Every fifteen minutes, <laughs> literally. <laughs> And, Literally, and, and I try to respond to every all of them. Right. You know, wow. listen. What I'm doing on social media is basically what Rocky Patel did in the early 2000s, but without social media, he would just go from city to 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 city and literally try to interact with every fan and every consumer out there and get you his know, face out there. Right? Yeah. That's how, that's how Rocky made his company. Rocky would do 20 events in a 30-day month. Wow. Seriously. He would show up for an event in my shop, like, just waking up hours. And this is my event would be, like, 7 o'clock at night. And he just waking up hours before from the event the night before. He, he ran like a machine, you know? And, um, you know, I, got, I have the privilege of doing it in 2020 with social media, and I can interact with everybody. And it's so cool, dude. We've made a lot of great friends in the last couple of years through social media. And, and people I haven't met. I mean, yeah. people, I, that's the craziest thing. Like, real, I feel real close friendships with people I haven't met. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, Alex, but the pausers, they found us this year, or late right. last year, early last year. They're in Genoa, Alaska. They've become like family, like hardcore smoking fans. They're going to be in New Orleans next week, man. And they say if it's crazy down there, they might get in the car and just start heading east. Hey, okay. I mean, it's a, what, 11 hour drive or something, right? Yeah, I'm getting if you're coming from Alaska, what's an eleven hour drive? Right. Right. But, but they drive? We we've never met them and you know if we don't meet them now, I'm sure they're gonna come to the Great Smoke in twenty twenty two. But it's it's so cool to 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 the, the bonds we make. So yeah, literally it, you know, if I'm on social media, I'm not trolling videos, I'm not I'm not, I'm I'm literally my all my time on social media is just responding to notifications all day. Paul, did you just ask if they drove from Alaska? I uh, yeah. No, you can drive. Flying. They're flying to New Orleans, but they're renting a car. Alex, wait, hold on. You know that you know that Alaska is not it's not an island, right? It's no, connected I, I, through I, Canada. I, I get that, but I mean that that's like an insane 
drive. I, I know, but people are doing that now because they don't want to get on airplanes. So I know of people that, that mm-hmm. are going out to LA that are, that are, they're like, listen, we want to see our family. So we're driving. Yeah, but you know there's parts in Alaska you can't drive to in Alaska. No, I know. You need those little planes. The oh, little yeah, because there's yeah. mountains and glaciers and whatever. Yeah, so it's... it's it, 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 it's. But from Juneau, you could drive, I think. Is it... You said it Juneau. Is that how they, they say it? It's Juneau. the locals? Juneau. Juneau. Beautiful okay. place. And, and the sad part is oh, we were there like three years ago and we didn't know them, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I was going to ask if maybe you met up with them when you... No, were I wish. Sure. I wish, but we'll see him soon, you know. And that's what I like about the Great Smoke every year in, when it's normal. I mean, there's literally thousands of people I see one time a year. You know, that's the one time I get to meet and interact with them, and it's cool, you know. Yeah. You might have missed it, but Ronnie Ronnie Haysha kind of nailed it. Paul looks like Coop with a hat and glasses. Oh, my God. Paul, why didn't you put that up on the chat? He did, he did, he did. Hold oh. on, I'm going to – I did. I put it up. I just – I want to look cool. Should I look cooler? I got I nobody know. noticed. I got Damn your glasses. Possible. I don't Hold on, I'll show you how that. I can look cooler. Watch this. Watch this. Huh? Yeah. Now, now you I look like Billy. Now Joel. you look a blind coop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Howard Stern does a, a radio show with his uh, glasses on the whole time. I feel mm-hmm. like I could pull it off. I haven't worn sunglasses. Listen to me, I, I used to be a sunglass freak. When I first moved down here, I was, what, 20s, mid-20s, 20s? So between, like, 20 and 6 and 30, I would have, like, eight different pairs of sunglasses at any given moment. And I haven't worn sunglasses, like, in 10 years. Yeah, but and, mine, see, but you, because you wear glasses now, mine are prescription. Look at those. Bodies. Hold on. I just got my first set of prescription pair of sunglasses. I feel like I yep. just, like, broke out of jail. It, and so your cool eyes get so glasses that, yep. that you can see through. Yep. It, it was great. I've been buying them for years, but they're so much more expensive for me because of my prescription. But I just don't like wearing contacts anymore. And if I just get call, the... call Coca Cola, ask them to cut a couple of the bottom of the bottles <laughs> off, and you'll be all set. Dude, look at these things. It, it's kind of like that. <laughs> anyway, all right. So we got an awesome show today. Huge right? news today, Martinez. I want I want to give uh, honestly, first off, super kudos and thanks to Nick Perdomo, who was our scheduled guest. Yes. And uh, when when the news broke this week about our upcoming uh, guest for our Meet Your Maker segment, um, he was graciously understanding and moving to next week so we could get the scoop. I'm probably one of the, I mean, Coop will correct me, but this could be the biggest news of this week. So uh, let's uh, run our Meet Your Maker. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Hold on, I'm not ready. Here we go. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it. And stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. There he is, Mr. Debonair himself. You know, every time I have been on this show, we talk about the same shit, and I have to spend Ascots? correcting the record. Number one. Listen. I know you've never, but you we did just see you wore one once. No. He's been waiting. He's been waiting. No. I've never worn an ascot ever. I've also never worn a jersey with my name on it. Just if we're trying to make sure that we're that we're being factual, I've also it was a that. gift. But it was a gift. Ascot, no. Scarf, yes. Ascot, no. Scarf, but, yes. But you know where I come from, Mike. Scarf, ascot. It's like two sides of the same coin. No problem. Just 
correcting the record. Because he's not wearing a winter scarf. He's wearing like a fashion scarf. No, it's a winter scarf. It's freezing out here. Yeah, but I've seen you wear scarves in not freezing weather. Yes, yeah, correct. I'm pretty sure some of your pictures from Manhattan over the summer when you were saying how, how much of a ghost town it was, you were wearing a scarf. Scarf, yes. No ask. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. But I, I will say that my favorite outfit was the one you wore at TGS one year that I think we revisited recently. The paisley pants and whatnot. The purple was, paisley pants. The purple paisley pants. Listen, I, I, I'm in training. Everybody knows why I'm trying to hit the gym and lose some weight. I said... I got Melanie Cisco, Kim Keeney, and Michael Herklotz as my co-host with Great Smoke. I'm not going to be the out of shape, big fat guy. So I'm trying just to get in a close level of these <laughs> three people. It's going to be awesome. I'm. I can't wait. This is going to be such a great event. Uh, we're excited about it. We're excited you're coming down, but we don't want to talk about the Great Smoke, Mike. We want to talk about the big news this week. You know, um, before we get into that, I just want to talk about the closing moments of shutting down Nat Sherman, right? I mean, you, 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 your postings on social media were almost documentary-esque. You know, they were very moving. They were very touching. And, um, you know, how, how emotional of, of a time was that for you? Well, um, it, was a, it was an emotional year, really. I mean, we started the process back in October of... 2019, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of hope that, that we were going to be able to successfully transact and we were close. And I think we've talked about that on shows before. Um, ultimately COVID, uh, proved that to be unsuccessful. And despite even our best efforts after, um, to kind of repackage it and, and find other buyers just didn't come to fruition. I think though, um, as emotional as it was, there was also a bit of that that sense of relief, which I'd hate to say. I mean, I was talking with the folks from PCA the other day, and they said it must have been a gut punch. And I said it really wasn't a gut punch as much as just like watching something die. And and so there is a sense of relief, I think, when it's finally over, um, that that you can just kind of move on and start start living your life again. Uh, but I, I, I will certainly say the um, the last day in the store, um, locking up for the last time. That was a that was a pretty big moment um, because I've had I've had keys to a door in Manhattan for eighteen years. Wow. So it, it wasn't just like saying goodbye to my Nat Sherman life. It was also saying goodbye to my New York City life. You know that was that was a pretty wild moment. Um, but. Uh, it was also, I, I guess, a bit cathartic to a large degree. Um, but uh, that was fine. And then I think it was the very next day was our last day in um, in New Jersey, just buttoning everything up and locking that up. And, you know, looking back, I, I certainly see that, that those videos um, may have proven to be a, a bit more dramatic than I, um, than I intended them to be. But the, the problem was, we didn't close the business because we did anything wrong. And so that means that if this were normal circumstances, we would have had a lot of events and other things to celebrate the legacy as we wound it down. But we couldn't do any of that. And there were so many people who were saying, you know, I wish I could get into the store one more time. I wish I could see you guys one more time. 
And, and we didn't have the ability to do that. So to me, it was at least important to try and, and bring people along um, to kind of experience it with us because they would have had we been under normal circumstances. Now, obviously, I'm, I would imagine, I'm making some assumptions here, there was maybe some thought and some maneuvering about you doing something with the brands. And I think there came a point where, well, that is, that is my question. Did you did you come to a point where you really felt this was done? There was nothing, anything could be done about it. Did that point in your mind actually happen? Oh yeah, that that was the that was the point. I mean, August. I think we made the public announcement August fourth, something like that. That we did not ses- successfully transact. We did not find uh, a viable buyer that met the three criteria that we laid out for a successful transaction. And therefore, the brands were not sold, and all employees go on severance, and we shut down. As far as I was concerned, that was it, period, full stop. And at, at, at that time, had you tried to do something that didn't you weren't able to? Or did you, need, did you even not have the opportunity at that point? To be honest, I didn't consider it. Because, didn't even consider it at that point. Well, okay. I, l- let, me, let me say that differently, because, of course, the, the, the moment we announced that we were exploring a sale. Obviously any person that hears news like that says to themselves, Oh wow. Wouldn't that be neat if I bought it or we got a group together and bought it or any of that stuff. Yeah, you're, talking cool, back cool 2000, that you're talking back in 2019. You, this was a thought. Sure. But even through all of it, I mean, just like in, in the back of my mind, like, ah, oh, you know, I, I wish I could, or wouldn't it be neat if I could. But the problem was Abe, my job, as vice president of Nat Sherman International, was to help uh, guide this transaction process. There was no way I could have meaningfully participated right. as, a, as an interested party because there was so much work to do to, to manage uh, and help manage that process. There were a lot of people. Um, and so I really just felt it was a, it was a conflict, number one. Um, and and too big of a lift. I mean, you know, I've, I've worked for companies for 20 years, but I don't have an entity set up. I don't, I didn't have a company set up. I don't have a back end uh, set of employees that could, you know, help facilitate a transaction like that. So an, an entity transaction just wasn't in the cards for me. And it was also clear that we were not interested in selling the brands only that there was a very clear criteria of a successful transaction. And so I just assumed, um, I just assumed it was done. All right. So August, you close. As far as you know, everything is finished. At what point does this start to come to the, the seeds start to grow out of the ground where you see this possibility and then start moving towards it? Um, it was probably a, f- I don't know, maybe a month later, maybe a few weeks later. I don't, I don't remember what the exact timeline was. I just remember thinking, well, what caused it? What, what, what changed it? What, 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 what because I kept, happened that made it now a, a possibility? Well, there's a difference. The, the transaction was done, right? It was not going to happen. We had notified employees. All employees are going on severance. The brands are going to be held. 
That's it. What, what I was experiencing, though, was in the weeks that followed that news, there was obviously tremendous support. Uh, in fact, I think I was on your show that week yep. in August. And we also, we didn't, I didn't leave the company until November 15th. I mean, I was still going in and working and trying to wind down the business after we announced that we were going to close. We also did, you know, in-store sales. So there was a tremendous amount of work still going on. Um, and obviously that, that idea just kept rolling around in my head. Um, and it was really just heartbreaking to think that, um, that these brands were over when I had, you know, I personally worked so hard. I mean, Timeless was my first project. Um, all of the Timeless brands were all projects that I worked on for, for the company. Um, so it just, it was, it was one of those just real moments of, of sadness and, and kind of like, you know, well, maybe we take it, maybe, maybe I just ask, I mean, no harm in just asking. And, uh, and, and so I reached out to some of the leadership at Altria and I said, you know, is there, would there be any consideration to potentially acquiring the brands? And not long after that, that question, they said, put together a proposal so I, I met with um, uh, my former, our former CFO at Nat Sherman, Brendan Scott, who we've worked side by side for nine years together. And we kind of talked about this idea. Like, do you think this is something that we could actually do if they allowed us to do it? And, uh, and he said, well, I'm in and they're in. And I said, well, I guess we're in if they're in. And so we, we put together a proper letter of intent and, and, um, and, a, and a plea for consideration. And I'll tell you, Altria could not have been more, more excited and enthusiastic and, and supportive. I mean, saying things like, you know, we, we, we would love for these to live on with you. Um, and so we, we got to work and we got scrappy and we formed our company. Um, then we funded our company and then, uh, and then away we go. And here we yeah. are in the first week of uh, 2021 as company owners, brand owners and I didn't. I didn't realize entrepreneur was French for broke. I, I, <laughs> I missed that in the uh, broke for a long time. My but friend. you know what? It's it. What an amazing feeling! Um, it's really awesome. You know, it's funny because I tell business guys who, you know, I get asked for advice often. I try to tell them, look, you know, here's the problem. Unless you just got crap loads of money to start a business, here's the dilemma. You're not going to make any money if you fail. And if you do really, really good, chances are you might not make any money for a while either. I didn't make money for God knows how many years because everything we made, I kept fueling back into the business. You know, especially, if you, you know, if you open like a, an establishment, like a restaurant, you kill it and that's your one location. But if you're doing anything that has growth, especially the tobacco guys, all the guys who want to start their tobacco companies, I tell them, I say, oh, well, we're going to share profit. What profit? So you don't get it. There's no profit. There's no profit for a while because if you're not making it, you're not going to have profit. And if you're doing really good, guess what? You got no profit because if you're doing really good, what you're going to need is more money. Hey, hey, Brendan. Brendan, I'm on the KMA show. We have a big fucking problem. He said we're not going to make any money. Yeah. No, he said no money for years. He said no money for years. He literally just said that. Listen to me. 
let me correct myself. It's not that you can't make a profit, but you don't see it because you, you reinvest. It, it goes in back profit. into the business. Right? Yeah, yeah, it goes back in the business. And that's that's the struggle early on, man. It's it's it took a very long time before there was like profit that was actually able to say, oh, hey, look, there's some profit in my company. We got, we got I remember, some money here. Listen to me. I remember talking to my account. You got to remember, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not college educated. I, I, I went to I mean, I don't have a I didn't finish my degree. I went to Indiana University for two years. Loyola University for one. I'm not, you know, I don't come from a financial genius family. So for many, many years until I could afford quality people to help, I flew by the seat of my pants in my company. And I remember talking to my account one year. I said, look, how do we do all these numbers and have no money at the end of the year? I mean, I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, um, stop buying product, stop building stores, and maybe you'll have some money. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But, you know, the one thing that I do notice and, and, and typically of guys in your position, Mike, um, guys who have been employed. I, 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 I have never been employed by anybody in my adult life. So I had jobs when I was younger, but literally kind of like started my own company in my early 20s and just been running on whatever I did on my own. So, But when guys like you have worked in the system and for corporate America for a long time, it's, it's a very hard leap. And I've seen a lot of guys struggle and balk at it. When now you have to say, oh, wait, I, I got to put up a lot of money to start something. And, I, you know, especially with their savings or whatever. And a lot of people have a hard time making that leap. You know, how was that for you? I mean, did you fret about it at night for a while or were you gung ho? I mean, look, here's the difference, right? You have two kids? Two kids. Right. So you have two kids. You're married. You got a family, right? I, I'm very much ca more cautious about the stuff I do now at my age than when I was in my 20s. When I was in my 20s, I was borrowing. I was signing leases. I didn't care. You know, if I failed, I was homeless on the street. I'll find a way to eat. And, you know, you, so, you know, at this stage, how was that psychologically for you to make that leap? That's a great question because I that was the first thing I thought about. Yeah. You are, you are not helping at all. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Um, look, it was a big, big decision. Yeah, um, it was a it was a family decision on our with my family with Brendan's family. Um, but it just it's it was a no brainer. I mean, um, I've worked for for companies for the last twenty years, um, and I really felt like if someone was going to hire me, they were they were going to hire me because. They they knew what I could do and they've seen what I've done, uh -huh. and and why on earth wouldn't I just do it for myself for for my family, um, and and especially with with these brands, you know it, I was in a pretty unique situation if you think about it. And Abe, we've talked about this before because I was, of course, I was an employee. It wasn't my company. They weren't my brands. It's not it's not mine per se. And yet there was quite a perception that, that in a lot of ways um, I, I represented that company in a way that felt like a principal, even though I wasn't a principal. Um, now I am the principal with, with my partner. And it's just, it was just a, it just made the most sense. I, if I'm going to work this hard for another 20 years, as hard as I've worked the last 20 years, why not do it for me, for Brendan, for our families, for our legacies? Um, it just it just means more. 
and the, and the time was right. The opportunity was right. Um, you know, I, I can't think of a better outcome for, for such a sad, um, set of circumstances that, um, that stars were able to align in a way that, that we were able to do this. Uh, so it, it was meant to be, and we took advantage of it. I, I got to believe because it was from somebody internal, right? And it was from somebody within who obviously they had great respect for. You'd done a great job for them and whatnot. That it made facilitating the deal probably a little bit more accommodating than if they were just dealing with an outsider. I think there there is something to keep in mind. And I know it is a point of debate at times. Um, Altria's real feelings for premium cigars. And my personal opinion, based on my time spent on the inside, is that they truly have affection for the industry. They really do. And they loved even more our business because of what our story meant to the larger brand story of Nat German. So they really did have a lot of love for the industry, for the brand, and a lot of respect and admiration for the work we did. Um, and, and I know they were, they were not pleased um, with, I shouldn't say that they weren't pleased. They were, they were saddened by the reality that they had to close or sell the business, but they didn't have to try and sell, but they did try and sell. And they tried for months and months and months and kept all of us employed throughout the process and through a pandemic. That was not an inexpensive venture. They didn't do it for, for some major return. They did it because they truly believed it was the right thing to do for the company and for the legacy of the brands. And I just, I, I, I'm so grateful to that. I think, um, I think when we failed to do it, there was a lot of just, um, frustration that we couldn't get the deal done. And so when we did bring up the prospect of potentially moving forward with just the brands, I, there was genuine enthusiasm um, to help get it done. And, and I think you're right, Abe. I think because we were inside, because it was kind of a bit our work and our legacy as well, um, I think that probably made it, um, it just felt right for everybody. Michael, let me ask you, I, I, what what do you think would have happened to the brands if if you guys hadn't jumped in and done this? Would they have just gone away? Would, would I mean, would they have just sold them off to somebody else that isn't as invested in them? I don't know. Um, what I do know is um, historically, if you look at the brands and companies and things that have um, been sold, uh, that have been commercialized and then taken out of market, um, historically, just my own recollection, generally Altria retains those trademarks and they just pull them off. Um, so I, I really, I, I couldn't even guess what would have happened to them um, in the future. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I, but I don't think, I mean, again, they were not looking to sell the brands as a, as a, as a business transaction or a, or a uh, function of somehow generating revenue for the enterprise, um, my assumption is that they just would have they just would have kept it. So just, they just, they, park, just they, parked it. You mean? 
Yeah, I mean, think about think about some of the brands that they've had that have been brought back. I mean, they they just relaunched Chesterfield cigarettes, for example. They were on the market for many years. They were gone for many years. Um, now that brand has been re re um, commercialized, kind of in a new category. Um, but they brought that back. So you know, I guess in my head, I was thinking maybe they would they would use the brands for something else, for a different category, for a different product. I mean, it's all within the same trade class. Who knows? But the good news is it doesn't matter because we got it. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I, I want to do right by some of our fans here. I want to make a, a clarification because we got some ask, ask KMA questions here. But um, there's no retail store anymore. No, sir. Right. Okay. So because some people are asking about the store. The store is gone. Now, is any of the brands that you've acquired, they you won't be using any Nat Sherman names on them? That's right. So, so if you think back to, to the work we did in 2018, we took Nat Sherman off of the sort of principal brand um, band, and we moved it to the secondary band. Like right. I have them right here. So, with with Timeless, for example, there we yep. go. Timeless is the main band. Right. We had the main band, and then the secondary band as uh, exclusively for Nat Sherman International. The only thing that will change with the the products that we previously sold as Nat Sherman, the only thing that will change is that secondary band that will say exclusively for Ferio Tego. The bands, the blends, uh, the manufacturers, all of that stays exactly as it was. This is from Bill Rag Rag Ragone. Going forward as a brand owner now, how do you see yourself and your brand? Cigar traditionalist or cigar maverick? That's quite a that's quite a question. This is an interesting spot for us because on the one side we are our startup, and on the other side, we are legacy. And so it's it's a very interesting um, balance of recognizing that we're new and and taking advantage of new beginnings and new equity and new stories and uh but also now our oldest product is 25 years old with metropolitan um and so how do we really how do we truly and authentically stand behind and represent these brands uh you know we don't have a 1930 story anymore so we have 2021 story with brands from 1995. That's where we're going to have to learn um, what sort of that new identity is. Maverick versus traditionalist. Um, if you are in the premium cigar world, you are a traditionalist. There, there I, I don't know how you could be anything else, but that's not to say um, that you can't be innovative and you can't be relevant. Um, I think our plan, and let's not forget, we're three days into this. Um, our our plan is to um, to of course be be reverent and appreciative of the industry and its history, and respectful of of uh, the industry and my my peers that are in it that I've learned from these last twenty years. But it is also, I think, to move forward in a in a twenty twenty one post COVID. Um, mindset. And to me, the idea that anyone would be rushing to return to business exactly the way they did it 
2019 seems awfully crazy. Uh, I mean, Abe, you're the, you're the perfect example of of managing the chaos and pivoting live in order to um, accommodate your customers, try and keep things seamless, but also innovate and change the way in which you do that. Um, I think a lot of companies are thinking that way. And certainly we will um, continue to apply what we've learned in the last 10 months, what we've learned in the last three years, what we've learned in the last 20 years to help guide uh, what we will be moving forward. But certainly a bit traditional, but certainly relevant and innovative. You, you know, you know what's funny? Um, I, you know, I've heard that a lot about navigating the, the, the pandemic, you know, and the chaos. But as I think back upon it, I think the whole my whole career has been chaos. It's It's been a constant pivot, whether it be new locations, whether it be the online, whether it be social media. I, I just think that's what, you know, business and, and strong entrepreneurs do. You have to constantly pivot because it just always feels like at some point, I have very little short periods of peace and doldrums, you know, in my career. It's always some, but, but that's because we, we always are trying to be as innovative as possible. So there's always that pressure of chaos. So COVID was just like another hurdle, you know, in, in a line of uh, hurdles that we just constantly have been jumping over. Um, I got two more questions. I want to answer Ross's question real quick. Ross, Michael answered that question. All the Nat Sherman brands have had other major names, and the Nat Sherman name on the secondary band is is going to change. So everything, most people won't even probably notice the change. To be honest, exactly. So timeless it's, will still exist. So, will yeah. still exist. Timeless, right. timeless. You have timeless uh, Supreme, timeless Prestige, timeless right. Americana, timeless Sterling. Stay. You have Metropolitan Connecticut, Metropolitan Maduro, Metropolitan Habano. Metropolitan Host and Metropolitan Host Maduro, they stay. That's what we're leading with first to bring back. And then right. we'll figure out Epoca after that. And then in addition, um, Ferriotego will be a brand, and that will be the, the nice. flagship brand um, that will come out hopefully just prior to the return of um, Timeless and Metropolitan. So we're really hoping for um, late spring for Ferriotego to be released and then um, Timeless and Metropolitan to come out in, in the summer. Can, can you, you know, is it too early, or can you leak out who you're working on for that blend? Sorry, I, I can't, I, I don't have the audio. I said, is, is it too early? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you always get me with that. No, I, uh, I'm happy to share. Um, so our manufacturers remain the same for the former Nat Sherman brands. Uh, Quesada, Placencia, and Davidoff, and I'm working with Quesada and Placencia also um, for this first this first presentation of Ferriotego. Okay, cool, cool. So I got two more quick KMA questions. Mark Vanslidright would like to know: Are you doing any kind of video documentations on the start of this company? Something similar to how you did with the ending of Nat German? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I didn't. In fairness, I didn't um, really consciously think about the fact that I was documenting the um, closure, but I guess it kind of it kind of turned into that. Oh, it was a documentary. Uh, yeah, it was. So, uh, sure. Yeah, I guess I probably will, but probably, you know, as as um, as casual as I did the the wind yeah. down, 
I will I will try and uh, record some of the wind up. I'll tell you what though, I they got a lot of they got a lot of attention. I mean, uh, personally, I, I I thought it was really cool, especially when you're in the townhouse doing the videos that you did with some of the employees and whatnot. But I it's just uh I think the casual atmosphere of it is what drew people to it. To be honest, He's not, you're not going to have a camera crew of four guys walking around with you. Uh, <laughs> and then the last question I see up here is from Matthew Tobacco. Um. Uh, Matthew ha- hosts his own uh, uh, podcast, Smoking Tobaccos. It's a great I, show. Which I think I'm going to be a guest on sometime uh, this month. But he wanted to know, do you have plans to expand Ferriotego beyond the cigars? Uh, do, you, do you envision having some kind of... I mean, I would highly think not because of just the absurdity of rents where you guys <laughs> are at. But yeah. is there any vision of maybe opening up a retail storefront? I think that is... That is so far down the the road to even consider. That's after you become um, very profitable. Because because to uh, Abe's point, I'm not going to have any money to open up a store. So um, who knows? I mean, I, I'll. It is it is a bit heartbreaking to um, to be out of retail. I mean, I've been in retail for for 21 years. Um, that is a bit. That is a bit heartbreaking. I miss it. Uh, but this part is so exciting and there's so much work um, that I'm sure I'm going to be plenty busy. The, the comments on today's show are just, they've been awesome. Uh, Patricia, Hi, I have a question. Patricia Briggs uh, calls you a handsome <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. I, ha- I have a funny story about that, actually, but I'll, I'll do the other question. <laughs> no, no, no! Let's share the Kiefer Sutherland story. I like it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can okay, I was at TAA three years ago. Uh, we were in DR. It was when we were at uh, uh, Casa de Campo, and I'm having dinner the first night, and I, I can't remember um, the couple I was sitting with, but they were. It was a retailer and his wife, and she said, "You look like an actor." It was the first night, and I said. Um, I, I'll bet I can guess which one of the three you think it is. Um, the three I normally get are, um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Who's who's the guy from Blade? Steven Dorf. Steven Dorf. Mm-hmm. I get him first. Then I get Peter Sarsgaard. And then I get um, Kiefer Sutherland. And it generally is um, sort of lined up with, how swollen I am from drinking the night before. <laughs> and I said, and she said, Stephen Dorf, that's it. Stephen Dorf. I said, okay. I said, I'd be willing to bet that by the end of this week, I will look more like Kiefer Sutherland. Well, funny enough, the last night we all were sitting together having dinner, same couple and a random waitress walks by and walked back over and said, does anyone ever tell you you look like Kiefer Sutherland? And I looked over at the lady and I was like, see? That's funny. Yeah. You know, can you, well, I mean, it's hard to tell now because I have no hair, but growing up, I growing up when I was younger and playing ball, I always was told I looked, because I had that puffy hair like them. In fact, that was my football number. I was always told I looked like Lyle Zato or um, John Matuzak. I just aged half our listenership. See who knows. Uh, John, I have no clue who. John Matuzak and Lyle Elzato. Um but then as I got older, there was two two people 
that I, I always got pinned for, and I mean, not so much now these days, but probably at least 10, 15 years ago, um, Luciano Pavarotti, and then when I, used, when I used to have some hair, and then John Rise Davies. I used to get that a lot. You know who John Rise Davies is? No idea. He's the guy. He, he, he's an he's a actor in probably a thousand movies, but he's the guy from Indiana Jones. Indy, my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I have a picture of him. Hold on. I, I don't. I have no idea who this guy is, Abe. Oh, he's like. Oh, he, it, I can't upload it. Oh, damn it. Oh, yeah. He's like in a thousand movies. He's totally. like, who's that character actor? Like, I mean, like literally a thousand movies. But the, the one reference I could always go to where people will know exactly what I'm talking about is Indiana Jones. I just can't picture the face. I remember the, the guy. There it I is. know oh, who yeah. you're talking oh, yeah. about. There it is. I used to get him a lot. Oh, there you go. That's the one I'm uploading right now. There you go. Yeah. He's and a little you know older in this picture, but yeah. And you know what, Michael? Hold on. Look at this. Kiefer Sutherland. Oh. Huh? Oh. A little bit. Right? I guess I could see it a little bit. That's funny. <laughs> hey, listen. You guys, you should be. You should feel uh, like it's complimentary that you get those names. Who do you think I get all the time? You, get the, you get the guy from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Rick Moranis. Rick yeah, Moranis. Totally. I can't breathe in this thing. <laughs> Always. So at least so, he has hair. Mike, um, tell me a question on the brand name. Ferio Tego, loosely translated. I strike, I cover without fear. Is that correct? So um Ferio Tego is is used in a lot of different contexts and is used a lot in, in um military contexts. Military, right. So Ferio is strike or I strike. Tego tends to take on different meanings depending on the context. So sometimes you see it as I strike, I dispose, I strike, I cover, I strike, I defend. Um, we are using the I strike, I defend interpretation. As a family, traditionally, we used I strike and I dispose um, because in the context of the actual coat of arms, which is on, I don't know if you saw the uh, Ferrotego website, if you go to the, the website and uh, I think it's on the about us, there's the actual coat of arms on there. Anyway, not that's important. it, right? Is that's that it? the, that's the logo. Oh, but oh, that, oh I'm sorry. that logo lives in the shield of our coat of arms. And so we kind of restylized it to zoom in um, just on that piece of it. But the, the context of the coat of arms is Hercules fighting, uh, striking a Hydra and so the in the context of Ferriotego, it is I strike the Hydra and dispose of the evils. Um, but strike and dispose doesn't exactly ring particularly nicely as a brand motto. Um, that sounds like what you do with a match. So I think strike and defend <laughs> certainly um, fits much more in line with um, with our way of thinking. And this is this is this was part of your family crest. Yes. Now. I'm just an average guy, but is family crest, that's strictly a European thing. You have to have European descent for family crest. What regions of Europe like have, I mean, I know England had crests, but is that, is that where that comes? Scottish people have crests. Yeah. You know, is it just that region? Herklotz is Dutch. Um, oh. And, you know, there's, I, I remember going back and looking this up, you know, years and years ago, but, um, 
there is a lot of lineage with coat of arms, but then there are also there is the ability to just create your own coat of arms. I mean, they actually have have outlets where, where you can sort of input things about your history and your past, and that helps you pick some of the heraldic uh, items that you can sort of assemble onto a coat of arms and, and create your own. I think it's it's very cool. I've always been aware of our coat of arms, Herklotz with an S, and this coat of arms dates back to 1641. Um, so I just always thought it was a, such a cool part of our history. It's actually a funny thing. I, I met um, a very distant cousin, Herklotz, who came to Nat Sherman, walked in the store from the Netherlands, and uh, he's probably 15 years older than me. And honestly, he kind of looked like me a little. And he had he had the the family coat of arms ring on. Oh, that's, that's cool. it was it was really really wild. Yeah, I, I like my my family doesn't have, to my knowledge, a, a coat of arms. Abe, I, I'm assuming you guys don't either. Do it no, we don't. No, I don't have coat of arms in our Italians. I Italians, I don't Italians coat of arms is like you know the Barano family, the Lucchese family is a little. Well, weird. yeah, the, the north. Most of the northern Italians probably have that, but my our True. our family was you know digging in the dirt to find food. They they weren't worried about a coat of arms. My at least on my side. <laughs> That's funny. Well, listen, don't go anywhere. We're gonna have a lot more with Michael Herklotz. Unless I want to say it like Herlots. Then you say it like everybody else. Yeah. Well, sure. Let's Mike was calling him Mike Herlots. At the beginning, I finally had to correct them. I said, you know, there's a K in there somewhere. <laughs> and a lot of times, people put a Z at the end of your name. Herklotz. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we're going to have a lot more coops coming on, I believe, in an yep. hour or two. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Keep it lit. Hola a todos. Mi nombre es Elmer Suarez de la Flor de Copán en Honduras. My name is Ernesto Cranwinkel, and I'm from La Romana, Dominican Republic. Hola. Mi nombre es Diana. Soy de Manizales, Colombia. Días, Freddy Molina desde Estelín, Nicaragua. Hola amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña. Cheers, I'm Oliver, I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker. My favorite H. Upman cigar is the Herman's Batch. Favorite H. Upman is the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Mi cigarro favorito es H. Upman Española. I highly recommend you try the H. Upman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One world together with H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. We've got a, uh, a brand new sponsor we want to talk about, again, here on KMA Talk Radio. It's Bonner Private Wines. We want to tell you about them because they are, one, uh, a great winemaker, and two, they are wines that you can get a discount for being a KMA Talk Radio listener. Ever hear of high-altitude Malbec? It's really dark red wine that comes from these remote vineyards up to 9,000 feet. 
The wine region is actually the most isolated in the entire world. On one side, you get miles of desert. On the other, you get the Andes Mountains. For 200 years, a small group of families have been making a Malbec wine there using no flavoring or dyes, no filtering, and no excess chemicals. This is wine that tastes as rugged as the land itself it comes from. Blackberry, leather, smoke, dark cherry, get the hint, goes well with cigars. These guys over at Bonner Private Wines just got a special shipment of these wines, including one Malbec from the third highest vineyard in the world at 8,950 feet. Visit kmawines.com for your discount today, and you'll get a 53% off discount on that wine and 50% off shipping. We've all been tasting the wine. It's delicious. I actually need to do another order because my wife and I went through it during the Christmas break. This uh, this will be a small shipment of wine, so it'll go fast. Visit kmawines.com to get your Bonner Private Wines now from KMA Talk Radio. And we are back on KMA Talk Radio speaking to Mr. Michael Herklotz, now of Ferriotego. And uh, when we left, we were talking about the, the coat of arms, how important it is um, to your family. And uh, Michael, what I, I know it's in the press release, but you got something to say, Abe? Go ahead. You're, you're muted. Muted. I just want to transition because you couldn't have a better guest if you're going to talk about wines because there's one of the epitome of uh, wine guys that I know. Um, so I think I have a bottle left from the batch you gave me. So I'm going to send Michael. I'm going to send you up one of their. I don't know if you ever had any of their wines. I'm going to. No, I was just looking it up when I as I was listening to the end. I'm going to send you a bottle of one of their wines, and um, you know, hopefully it'll be something you can enjoy. But I also want to personally shout out because. You know, in this industry, we know each other, and sometimes we call upon people for favors here and there. I remember when I barely knew Michael, and um, we were selling Davidoff, and this is like, I'm going back at least 12, 13 years, and he was working at the Davidoff store, and Davidoff always released some Davidoff store-only cigars, and yeah. one, of, one of my regular customers, who was a big Davidoff freak, but he wanted one, and he didn't want to buy it from the Davidoff store. I guess he had a bad experience about something or whatever. So I actually reached out to Michael and he helped me out. And you listen, there are guys in some who help you out. And then like I called uh, Michael Fry once and cause he's well connected in Las Vegas in California. I needed a favor for something. And it was like, let me see what I could do. And I never heard back from him again. So when we went to Napa uh, the year before last, um, I knew Michael was a big wine guy, and I'm going to tell you something. Michael single-handedly made my wife and I's experience in Napa probably as about as spectacular as it could get. He didn't just, like, connect to me with people. He, like, followed up on emails every day. What are you doing? What did they get? Where are you going? What was this? You got to do this. And, and I don't know what he told people. I, I'm not kidding. I don't know what you told people. Or if it was um, the guy from the Harvest Inn. God, I can't remember his name. I'm blacking out. Who's the general manager at Harvest Inn? I'll come up with it in a minute. Hold on. Yeah, I'm blacking out too. Great guy. I, I, we, I fell in love with him. But um, everywhere we went, it would, I felt like um, Mr. Icavano from Tin Men. You know? They are like, I, I, I don't know who they thought I was, but they all thought like I was somebody like uber special. It was funny. Is it Nathan? Is it Nathan? Maybe, yes. Yes. Nathan. And, and if you're ever going out there, go to Harvest Inn, see Nathan. It, they, it's like staying with family. They were incredible to us. Cigar friendly. They were awesome. And um, literally, like, we would go with other couples. 
like you, you take these small little groups. Sometimes we're with one other couple for a lunch or something, and they would come out and Mr. Babner, we heard you were coming. We prepared something special. And I see oh, them. Oh, my God. Oh, God, yeah. And then they come like, who the hell is this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Brandy must have been impressed. Bro, everywhere we went. Listen, I, I'm trying to get him on, on the show here. Because when we talk, I talked about his wines. Um, Ghost Horse. Yeah, Todd Anderson. Ghost Horse wine, Todd. right? So, you know, we kind of got a little carried away. So by the time we had a tour at Ghost, Ho Ghost Horse Winery, I, you know, we were a little like tipsy, tired. My wife wanted to go back to the room and just take a nap. So I had to call them. You know, I'd never met Todd Anderson. I heard of Anderson Con Valley, but I never even heard of Ghost Horse Wine. And um, I said, look, uh, my wife's not feeling up to it. I really apologize, you know. But I think it's common that happens. So they weren't like shocked, you know, especially if you have a late afternoon appointment, you get burned out, you know. And um, no, they're like, no problem. So my wife and I go back to the room. We're chilling. And then I get a call from the lobby. They say, yeah, uh, Mr. Todd Anderson is here at the uh, bar for you. I'm like, really? So, <laughs> yeah. So I go down there. He's bought wines. And oh, my God. I didn't know this. Listen to me. True story. He bu He's bought wines. And then they had a little, like, outdoor screened-in patio area. They were having a staff meeting. And Nathan asked everybody to move. He moved their staff meeting. And then Todd and I sat there. He's a heavy cigar smoker. We were smoking cigars. We must have went through three bottles of wine. My wife woke up, joined us later. And we oh, spent man. like four hours drinking phenomenal wine. Uh, Anderson Con Valley, the ghost horse, if you can get it, is a little more pricey. Um, oh, it's but, so um, good. I mean, yeah. I mean, these guys were like, like, I don't know who they thought I was, but it was probably one of the greatest trips we have and. That is personally, uh, I, I thank you, Michael. I mean, I, I, I know I've thanked you before, but I can't thank you enough, man. That was a great trip uh, for both of us. My wife still talks about it. Michael, you ruined him. Because, yeah. So my, yes. my wife is a sommelier, and she, I was, I was giving Brandy, you know, we give Brandy and Abe a little something every year for Christmas, and I pulled out, a, you know, we have a, a, a wine fridge here, so I pulled out a wine that I really like, you know, and uh, Steffi goes, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, what? This this is a really good Super Tuscan. She goes, that thing's like fifteen dollars. You can't give that to them now. She's like, they're like they're like Napa people now. You can't. No, 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 no. So <laughs> yeah. So I there's a shelf that I'm not allowed to touch. She picked a good one. She picked a good it, bottle. Yeah, I mean, it was probably uh, it was what like from 2011 too, it, I think, or 2012. I looked it up. That's a real good bottle of wine. So our friend works at that at that vineyard. So it it was uh it's one that was gifted to us actually. Well, she gave us a lot of them, but she I was like, wait, don't give him this one. This is from the bottle bottom shelf. She's like, no, 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 no. You have to give them this one. But he uh, it's great though when I go Where over to eat. Cheap basketball is. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Listen, I my wife is a is a level two sommelier in the in the court of master sommeliers, and she I I I have a, happened to have a good palate, I guess she says, because I like some really good wine, but. There are wines that I really enjoy that you can get for fifteen or twenty dollars that I think are really good wines. So I Absolutely. was giving you and Brandy one that I buy on the regular. It's you know it's one that we usually buy like a, a case or a half a case of that I just like to have in the house when I you know when I have Italian food I like to drink a Super Tuscan. You know. M meanwhile, meanwhile we gift them bottles of Artemis's and he wants to give me some table wine from uh, <laughs> Olive Garden. It's from my people. Hey Amen. As long as you like it, who cares?
Hey, it, exactly. was, a, it was a 2016 bottle of Silver Oak. Is that that's not what I gave you? Yeah, it was. No, I I didn't give you. It was a. Uh, I'll ask her when she comes back. It was not Silver Oak. No, I have a bottle of Silver. No, that wasn't from you. That's right. That was from somebody else. Who's me about? Yeah, I remember your bottle. Mine was the one with the label. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. I can't remember what it was. Out. The label's in the bottom of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sat in his humidor so long, the, the labeling uh, defaced. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of bottles in there that we have to tape the, the labels on so we know which one it is. Yeah, that's so called counterfeiting, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so old. Oh, the label fell off. I can't believe it. It's so special. Chris Denell, it's, 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 it's a two-part check. Here. I'm wearing your I'm wearing your jersey, Chris. But I man, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I'm I'm so glad that you got to experience Napa. My wife and I were actually planning to go last this past year for our tenth anniversary, and I wanted her. You know, I've been to the Harvest Inn a bunch of times. We've done business with them for years, um, and you know, all those chefs and winemakers and stuff that you met are just people that I've met over the years. You know, um, and so. It's it's no different than if if someone called you, um, when you have genuine friendships, uh, people really just pull out the stops for you. You know what I mean? Um, I I'll be honest. I didn't tell them anything about you. I just said I have a really good friend who's coming to town with his wife for their anniversary, and that's what I said to the hotel. And that's what I said to the restaurants and laundry and the, I mean, that's all, it was the same line. Like, would, could you just please make it, just please make it special. Just do something. But that's, that was the extent of the conversation, but that's, you know, I'm. Well, that's a testament to who you are because I'm telling you. Well, and it's hospitality, you know, that's what they do. It was above and beyond, Mike. Like, we went to Freddy Laundry, they had an engraved bottle on the table ready for me and my wife. I actually, can I tell you, I mean, this it, it sounds braggy, but I don't care because it's so cool. Thomas um, texted me, Thomas Keller texted me this week when the news broke. And he just wrote, you know, extraordinary, let us know how we can help. And we had historically, our cigars had been on um, on the list at French Laundry and in their humidors. And he said, you know, rest assured, Ferry Otego has a place on our list. So That's pretty, awesome. pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome, man. Look, it's the cigar culture. It really is. It's one of the things that I, 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 who, who, I, I think I was on, I think I was on um, Johnny Smokes Uncut. I've been on so many shows lately, I get them confused. But someone asked me about what got me in the cigar business. And I, and I kind of said, like, I, think, I think a lot of people may get disappointed when I say this, but it wasn't really the cigars. I'm not a huge cigar geek. I love them. I enjoy the hell out of them. But that's not what made me leave a family business right? That I was in the middle of running, getting offered a second location. Right. You were about to grow and make yeah, and left, profitable. Left yeah. On a whim, on a trip, it was the culture that 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 I loved. I just loved it from the, the two weeks I hung out here and hanging out in a cigar shop and, you know, I was blown away and and, 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 and it's just the people within it, you know? It, it, it's it, There's really very little people who I would say are pricks or jerk-offs in our industry. I mean, there are. Every industry has them. But I think if you compare any industry from industry to industry, the ratio of those, that kind of presence in our industry has got to be so small compared to other industries. It, it, I would agree wholeheartedly. And what you see, I mean, of course, there are there are jerk-offs in every business, in every industry, and 
no problem. But I don't know if there are as many incredible people in other industries as there are in ours. Uh, I mean, you know, when you're talking about an industry where presumably we're all competing and it sure seems like we all like each other a lot and because we do. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? It's and it's so incestuous the the fact that our biggest competitors are also our biggest customers and and you know it's constant that that ebb and flow but truly and genuinely we wish the very best for each other what a wild crazy business yeah yeah I can attest to it you know I'm in a couple of other businesses obviously outside of the cigar business this isn't my main my main thing and uh, it's the same thing. I mean, I'm friendly with some of my competitors, but it is nothing like this world. Like none of none of the other brokers in my business would go out of their way to help me. You know, when you hear about fires and factories and, and how the other manufacturers like stop what they're doing and lend a helping hand to what would be really their main competitor in their in their country. It's 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 unlike I, I mean, I wish I wish I had something like that in my business, in, in all honesty. But just being in this small part of it, it's Bro, I feel even- welcome. Even in the last few weeks, as as my next chapter has started to unfold, obviously there were there were there was a point where we couldn't say anything. Then there was a point where we knew, but we weren't announcing. But we wanted to start getting our ducks in a row a little bit. And so, you know, I, I called some of my closest peers and friends um, to ask them help. They're all brand owners. I mean, they are all presumably my competition. And it was just nothing but love and nothing but just genuine excitement. I mean, it, it's uh, the, the, the emotional enthusiasm that's coming across from people who are just genuinely so excited for us to do this business. It's, it, it gives me a lot of confidence and it reassures me that we've made the right decision and that this is going to be tremendously successful. You know, even on the retail level, people are always amazed how I have other retailer friends, right? <laughs> it's it just, it's the way it is. I mean, look, I, I was blessed. I had, I was blessed to be exposed to a lot of mentors in my career and they were all so helpful. Even like Lou Rothman, I've never asked Lou Rothman a question that he just didn't give me a straight up answer and try to help me out. I mean, I remember one time I asked him to help me out early in my career. <laughs> Funny story. I think I mentioned it before, but Early in my career, you know, I didn't know how to buy bulk or on deals and whatever. And I was trying to, you know, get some samplers made for a website we were just launching 12, 15 years ago and whatnot. So I called him up and he's like, I got stuff to send you. What do you want? I said, I just want a little bit of maybe like, you know, 10 different brands and whatever. I'm just not too much or whatever. My mistake, because I didn't clarify with Lou Rothman what a little bit was, right? The guy ends up sending us like 30 cartons, mega master cases of stuff. Like we had a little store. We didn't even have anywhere to store it. We had to make a, a humidified room in a storage facility, air conditioned storage. And, we, and I was too embarrassed to call him and say, um, you sent me about like eight times more than we can handle. You know? He always gets the sale. <laughs> but, right? No. Well done. Me. No, I'm I kidding. Up, I'm kidding. I was really embarrassed, but I did have to call him because the bill was huge. And he's like, just pay me whenever. You know, I mean, and everybody's been always so helpful and, and I get called and asked questions and I try to help in the same way. So you know, listen, I've never built a warehouse. We're getting ready to open our new warehouse next year. And Tanya from Corona Cigar was nice enough to 
let me come down there. She showed me her facility, gave me pointers, tips, some of the mistakes they made. And that's what makes this industry epically awesome. Epically it's, awesome. Also, it's also what's going to make this industry long-term. And it's what's going to keep us all in business is there are a few that are apart. There are a few um, that right. fight. That, but, but really, the majority of our industry in our our people, our philosophies, our ethics, and our morals. There's so much more that we are aligned are on than we are um, apart. So I think that's that's really good for a long term future for our industry. I absolutely agree. So before the first hour, we talked about the evolution and what got you to today with Tierra Fuego. Very okay. Timeline for 2021. <laughs> you know what? What do you see? At what point are things going to happen? Do you see them or hope for them to happen in 2021 for your new company? Michael, also, so, Betty still butchers my last name, so it's part of Oh, you know, you said, you said Terrio, Terrio Fuego. Oh, uh, you know, I am slightly dyslexic, so I have a habit of that. I, it's all right. Ferio. I, I, I can't Fuego. say Eric Guttermerson. I can Guttermerson. Or it's Guttormson, but I say Guttermerson. Ferio Tego. Ferio Tego. There you go. Uh, timeline. So, Look, you, you know the, the timeline of the industry. So this is obviously um, an interesting moment to start from scratch. It, the, the factories are just opening um, next week. Um, and so that's when we can really engage with the factories, do all of our initial ordering, all of our demand planning, um, understanding what the updated prices are for 2021 so we can start formulating our, our plans and forecasting. Um, and then production will start, I assume, February um, as we start to prop up all the lines again, plus um, Ferriotego. Box production has to be done from scratch. Band production has to be done for secondary bands and primary bands for Ferriotego. Um, so there is a tremendous amount of work. But the good news is I think we are right at a, at a time where uh, it's the perfect time to ramp up right in the beginning of the year. Um, and so our hope is that we will have Ferriotego available by the um, end of spring. And then we're shooting for um, Timeless and Metropolitan to be ready by summer. Uh, but the, the plan is really to, um, to, st to be able to meet with customers as early as possible, to really understand and plan out what orders might look like, what lines are they interested in, what sizes are the most important to them, um, so that we're very thoughtful about what we bring back and we're not just, you know, doing wild guesses to figure out um, what sizes and how many. Um, so part of the reason we, we announced as early as we did was so that we could, we could now have really um, thoughtful and valuable conversations with uh, retail partners. We're also, you know, we, we can't make assumptions that uh, former customers will come back. So now that we can have really four months, five months to have meaningful conversations about what our plans are for the future and how we plan to operate as a company and then start to put together some of those early orders or at least early commitments for orders, then that will start to inform our ability to order and then facilitate what ultimately comes in, um, you know, in, in a couple months. Uh, PCA appearance for Ferriotego? 
I actually just spoke with them uh, yesterday. We're, we're certainly planning on it. Um, we don't have a booth. So, you know, there are a couple challenges, but, um, you I'm know, sure someone, I'm sure someone will give you a slice. Yeah. I, I again, I, I'm really not worried about it because I just know there's, there is so much support out there yep. that I also feel like if we had to show up with a card table and a, and a tablecloth and a banner and say, you know, here, here we are, we're going to try it. I think people would support it. So, you know, we are, we are, we are going to be authentic in every step of this process. We're not Nat German. We're not Altria. We're Ferry Otego. We're a, a very small family business with, um, with a, a great legacy portfolio of brands. And we're going to prop up as best we possibly can, as quickly as we possibly can to get back to where we were. You know, I have a, I have a, a signed $5 bet with uh, Master Sensei Eric Guttermson. We made a bet uh, during his show uh, last week. Um, he okay. says there won't be a PCA this year. I, I think I just heard TAA um, got officially called to virtual, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and they're going to do it in March. Coop will probably talk about that when he. Yeah, I, 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 I bet a signed five dollar bill because one, I, 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 I told him this before he bet me. I know they already are looking at alternate locations should Vegas not allow the event to happen or be ready for the event to happen in the way that it needs to be happen. So they're already working on alternate locations in other parts of the country. Um, and I just don't think it could survive another year of it not ha happening. I think it would be an epic mistake if they didn't find a way to make it happen this year. I think you should have been the chairman of the trade show committee um, because then Presumably, there there might have been a uh, virtual alternative at significant scale, which would be required, which we're doing with, right. uh, with, yeah. with the Great Smoke. They don't like but, people like me. I talk too much. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Um, you know, I I hope there is a sh a show. There's we we need togetherness in a real serious way. Um, and there's, you know, our industry, especially, there's just something about being together. Um, and you know, that's July, August, we would hope that things are going to be safer and healthier. And we've made significant progress with vaccinations and other things that would hopefully allow it to happen. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is our long-term health. And so God forbid, we have to make another difficult choice to cancel or postpone for the good of long-term health, then that's going to be a very difficult choice to make. But I think it would ultimately be the right one if we are in the same um, circumstances that we were when we canceled last time. Well, I just hope that's not the case. They have to do something. They have to figure something out because for another year for it just not to happen, I think it could be really devastating. So that I, I you know, look, but you, I, I had heard that they were actually looking at an area here in South Florida. So in my backyard, I didn't hear through them. I actually heard through my people here in South Florida. So I reached out to Sky. I said, you know, are you looking here? I said, why didn't you contact me? I, I mean, and, you know, I would have tried to help out. And, you know, I, I extended my help if I could help them do anything. I'd love to see it happen here in South Florida again. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, we got Coop in the wings, Paul. He is coming. Any guesses on where Coop is? Ooh. 
What do you think, Alex? I'd say garage. I'm gonna go I, with garage too, man. I don't know. It depends on what Coop's internet has, you know, if he's fixed the uh the I think in his oh, mind he thinks it works better in the garage. <laughs> no, is it is it well, garage garage or, or garage studio set? Garage studio. Studio uh, set. It's the coop set, not the parlor. We don't or think the it's library. The he hasn't done the library in a while. It could be a library day. That's true. Well, but I I'm think sure. part of the problem is that Coop has everybody in the house, so I think he's been doing the studio, the garage, because it's a little bit quieter for him. So now that now that everybody's at the house, his kids are all there. I think. Uh, oh, he's coming on now. Well, he should um, tell his whole family to get off of Wi-Fi while he's on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wait. Somebody. All right. Some people are saying garage, not in the parlor, Taiwan. All right. Uh, garage. Isn't? Going with laundry room. All right. Well, let's see where he is, ladies and gentlemen. Coop. Hey guys. Dining room. Oh. Dining room. Dining room. Dining room. Careful. Ah. None of us were right. There nice you go, Coop. Nice curveball. No, no. Wow, no. Look at look at his setup there. That that makes KMA look mission, like a shoestring mission, operation. Mission control. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you launching rockets or are we just talking on KMA this morning? Oh, this is actually my normal setup I have. Well, you need to do every KMA episode from right where you're doing it now. Yeah, it sounds perfect. This is the clearest that your picture's ever been in sound quality yep. since in the last two months. We, yep. We've wor we worked on it actually over the, the Christmas break. There's some things we've changed, which is good. You got one of your kids standing on the roof holding an antenna? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They they go go little, uh, little um, yeah, little gerbil. <laughs> <laughs> So, Coop, I, I can only imagine you got questions for Michael. But before you do, what's any other other than the current scoop we're covering now? Was there any other uh, scoop this week you want to talk about? Well, I think there's just a couple quick ones. You touched on the TAA getting canceled already, uh, so that that came yesterday. Um, I do know some of the uh, advisory members were meeting earlier in the week, so I wasn't surprised to see an announcement come that the TAA is canceled. Uh, for, but they're going to have their, they're going to do that virtual as well as far as all the buying goes. So that's, that's not really going to be a surprise there. You know what's funny is this is the second year they canceled the TAA, and I haven't paid my dues yet for this year. And um, on purpose, I'm not sure where I stand with the TAA these days. But we've literally gotten like seven, eight emails in the last two or three weeks. Are you, you going to pay your dues? Are you going to pay your dues? And now I'm starting to wonder is, were they worried about getting all the dues before the announcement that they were going to cancel? Because they had to know the the probability of canceling. It had to be at least two or three weeks old that they announced it. So I find it funny that, that for the first time in so many years, I, I got so many emails about whether I was going to pay my dues or not. I, I got them too, Abe. And here's the thing. I actually did pay my dues uh, for 2021 late last year. And um, I'm still getting them. So I'm like, don't you guys know I actually paid? So like, yeah, but I'm still getting in a day. I got, I got, uh, I got things through regular snail mail yesterday on it. Uh, like, hey, oh. you need to sign up for. It. So I don't know how they're doing this. So, <laughs> what else is going on, Coop? Um, let me just tell you one thing on the PCA. I, I do want to challenge you on the bet, okay? But I, I do believe, and I'm not gonna bet if there's a show or not. But I do want to challenge you that the show is gonna happen in Vegas or not at all. Yeah, but that's not the bet I made, Coop. Why are you trying to change the bet? Because I want to challenge you <laughs> and beat you at, at your game. I'm, do I look like I'm an idiot? So, so, so what, what was the bet you made? The, the bet was I 
Eric had made a statement on the air that the, the PCA was not going to happen this year. And then I made a statement, I believe it will 100% happen. And then I went on to clarify is that I know that in the event that Vegas won't accommodate, they are looking for friendlier open states where they can throw a trade show. So, Abe, your bet is that a PCA trade show in person will occur in Vegas or somewhere else, but it's happening in 2021. Well, technically, hold on, technically, I didn't say in person, but that's the bet. But my thing was the PCA would not be canceled this year. They're going to have a PCA show somewhere, some way. And then Coop wants me to bet him that it's going to be in Vegas or not. I just told you my whole bet is I know they got contingency plans in case Vegas closed. Why would I make that bet? See, that's the thing with betting Abe. There's always some kind of There's always some kind of technicality, yeah. Technicality. It's not a technicality. That's my bet. That's Just what I'm Technically, uh, whether it's a lot, you know, you no, be virtual. Maybe just in the hearts and minds right, of everybody. Right, right. There's yeah. vague, there's vague bets with, with strict technicalities. My bet was the PCA show will happen in twenty twenty one. It will only happen in Vegas. I, I do know, Abe, there is some truth to what you're saying about them looking at alternate sites. Um, they've been looking at alternate sites for a while. so so, But I think the risk is too great to move it. I, I really what, what, do. What, what risk is there in moving it? You move it, and then there's a local, uh, more local restrictions come in on having the trade show in that area. Like, oh, suddenly they put a cap on gatherings, and then you, you're screwed. Well, there, are, there is no cap in gatherings right now. In some areas, well, I mean, you don't know. Depends on what know. state you're in. Have you seen how, like, some of these things it, through executive orders and stuff have happened lately? Like, just how things turn around? That's, I think there's a huge risk in moving the show under these circumstances. I think in other circumstances, I understand it. I stand with my bet. Okay. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. I'll just, I'll stay with mine and, and just remember the KMA episode of July 9th when I said there's, there's no way to move the trade show. January 9th. Oh, January 9th. Oh, January 9th. January 9th. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you, Michael. It's a little early still. All right. Um, moving on. Um, in news, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Zev Kamenetsky, uh, a friend of ours, friend of the show, um, he has landed back in the cigar industry yet again. He is the new vice president of sales for Fratello Cigars. So a lot awesome. of people, yeah, Zev's, Zev's from my area. A lot of people were wondering where he was going to land. I didn't have Fratello on the radar, I'll be honest with you. So um, that, was a, that was a surprise to me. Great guy. Yep. Yeah, good guy. Oh, Zev's great. We yep. found him on the show. Yeah, no, I know. I know he's been on the show. Um, and then there's some new cigar releases we have um, already coming out this week. So uh, La Florida Minicana, they've announced the uh, special football edition 2021 cigar. So every year they kind of do a football-themed cigar uh, for the s- state that's going to host the, the uh, big game, because we can't say the other word, right? Um, you mean and, the Super Bowl? Yeah, okay, you said it. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's become a release that they've done every year. Like They tend to release it first to the retailers in that state, and then if they have any uh, supply left over, those cigars start to float to some of the other uh, neighboring states or other areas of the country. So you should expect to start seeing that cigar by the end of the month. It's going to be a big uh, Figurado, 5.5 by 63. It's got some football artwork on it, which is what they've traditionally done with the special football edition cigar. Let me ask you a question about that cigar, Coop. Right. Do you feel 
in the last couple of years that cigars lost traction? I, it's funny because here's what I'll say. In some of the states, you would say yes, right? It's a fair argument. But a couple of years ago, in Georgia, Georgia was a good example because the cigar, from what I understand, didn't do great in Georgia. And then it came into North Carolina. Those cigars came into North Carolina. People went and grabbed them uh, really fast. So, but I do think it, it depends on where it is, uh, where that cigar is getting released. Is, is, I know when it was in Texas, it was red hot, but I can't speak for Minnesota when it was there. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's just, you know, I, I don't know. We 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 had it last year in the Super Bowls in Florida, and it just uh, it it didn't have the. And I think the year before too, it started a little bit, but didn't have like it. They would sell out instantly, pretty much. In the beginning, you would think right, Abe. I don't know if they up production. I don't know if they up the production. They saturated the market, or consumers are just 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 kind of like, meh. All right, this year maybe maybe not. No, it's a fair one, but you know, I think about some of the, the exclusives that you've had in the store, right? And how fast they've went, like a meat, a Saka's meat box, right? You would think this football cigar would would go because it's usually a one and done. And you're right, they didn't go as fast. So I, I am surprised, and I'm you know maybe some of the retailers have had these. In the, I mean, you had it in the state, right? But you have the ability to to sell that nationwide, right? So we had it in the state. We had the ability to sell it nationwide. It wasn't even. I don't even think we got maybe half of what our RML package was, and we couldn't we couldn't go through half of it. Yeah, yeah, so. that's a, that's a surprise. I mean, again, that would be a surprise. I I in general have seen the regional limited market really saturated. I'm doing a lot of analytics on Coop right now, and I have some things coming out on that. But I don't see the interest in my readership in a lot of these projects anymore. I mean, well, the football, well, well, yeah. No, I was going to say what will be interesting, too, is the, the Super Bowl's in Florida again this year. So, yeah. as it was last year. So, we'll see if there's any difference from this year to last year yeah. with the Super Bowl cigar. Yeah, I was just going to say, this this one gets readership on Coop. So, that's a little bit. Some of these other projects don't, right? So, I I, I was a little, but I, I don't disagree with you, Abe, that I think there's some momentum that's slowed down. This release has been out for about seven or eight years right now. So, it's you know it, it's probably and, and I don't know for a fact what the annual production was. It could be they started to overcompensate from the early years where it blew out fast, and and that's another thing that happens. I mean, we did sure. that with, we did that with year two with Red Meat Lovers, yeah. right? We 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 doubled the run, kind of overshot it a little bit. It was around for a, an unusually long time, and then we went somewhere in the middle this time, and it was gone in six hours. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's hard to find that that thing but i will say here first pay attention in march anybody who's a red meat lovers club cigar we're gonna have a special announcement in march that's going to enable anybody in the country who wants to get a red meat lovers club cigar not to miss out they can get whatever they want they don't got to jump on the web and crash it or wait to get in line and there'll be no secondary it'll kill the secondary market because he's got i think we limited people to five boxes but i know they were going and selling them and it's all only because people who couldn't get it want it so we're going to change that so that anybody who wants it is going to have their opportunity to get it. So follow us on Smoke In and uh, KMA Talk Radio, and we'll keep you posted. But um, I don't think we've ever talked about this because it's happened during the break, too. So let me get this in now before we forget it. Um, Smoke In started its own little uh, social page. And it's I tell you what, I've been enjoying the hell out of it the last two weeks. It's a Smoke In Social Facebook page. We call ourselves the Socialites. But it's been... 
Really a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's been a great group. And I've been posting some historical stuff, pictures from things we did 15. Babyface Abe. 16 <laughs> years ago. Alex is showing a lot of insights from the uh, absurdities that go on in our back room. And it, it, <laughs> Whiffle ball in the, in the back room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's going to be some cool stuff that we're going to do just for the club. So if you haven't joined or checked it out, if you're a fan of us or Smoke In or KMA Talk Radio, go become a socialite. Um, if you're not and, and, and you want to get a little more insight about us and what we do, check it out. It's uh, Smoke In Social on Facebook. Yeah, Abe, how does it work? They have to request? They request, answer a couple questions, and, uh, you know, and you're in. You know, we just we would like people to take the – five seconds to just answer the questions that we know you know i mean one of them one of them is that you agree to the rules that right, we ask right. you to be respectful and not bully and no hate speech and right right it's three simple questions and what's really nice about the group too is i mean it is a lot of fun it's not just a bunch of guys with crusty fingernails posting you know cigar. you know it's, well it's except for me except for me. my post the other day which it looks like you may have deleted <laughs> <laughs> oh i do have an invite we, the crusty uh, fingernail I, photos are tough. Oh, really oh are yeah. Tough. Rough. Ugh. Speaking of fingernail photos, I, I'm, I'm going to send you the clip. Oh. But, you know, Michael, Michael did a promo for The Great Smoke. And I'm telling you, it was brilliant. And I loved it. And my favorite comment is, what's with the car guys? And it was just so funny the way you did it. What's with the car oh, guys? Oh, yes. I saw that. That was actually very well done. Yeah. Dude, that was what's hilarious. What's with the car guys? What's with the car guys? But, you I know, the problem is, by the way, I love car guys, and I love enjoying cigars in my car. I really do, but it, it just struck me funny. Well, the thing is, the thing is, is that a lot of these guys up up north, when it's colder, there's no place and they to smoke. smoke in the house. It's the only place they can smoke. They go in the car, and they smoke. I didn't like. I, it's never occurred to me to smoke in my car because my vehicles are always leased. Dude, you live in Florida. I know. I, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I guess it's Your never. Your vehicles an issue. are always leased. I've leased a car through my company for the last 20 years. I've smoked in every one. What are you talking about? So Me how too. does that work? Because the first one of the first lines in it is that there's no smoking or pets in the vehicle. You just get it. You just take it and get it clean. You get it detailed and you turn it in. I, I turn right. my I, I turn my car in and the, the guy at the dealership is a cigar guy. He jumped yeah. in and he's like, oh, it smells great in here. I was like, bro, fire, fire one up before you bring it around, you know? No problem. <laughs> Paul, Paul the, the easiest thing is, like, I go, when I get a rental car, I go to, like, the Auto Bell car wash here, and I just, I'll pay, like, 30 to $30 detail for the inside cleaning. It gets it right out. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I never have a problem with, I mean, I shouldn't say it, I mean, sometimes I'll try to, to bypass that, but in general, it's, you just go and get the car clean uh, when you return it, and... Uh, well, cigar smoke is also they, different than cigarette smoke. Well, you also need to have a window down. You need to remember to take the butts out. You don't leave a coffee cup with four cigar butts filled with ashes in right. the car overnight. Right. You know, there is some general hygiene uh, yeah. that helps a little. But I think that also brings us back to the crusty fingernail, you know, situation that some people don't necessarily pay the same amount of attention to the uh, yeah. tidiness. Yeah. Paul, they I do the same. Another trick is too, uh -huh. if you have any of the, those air things, you know. The, air fresheners or whatever i forget what's the brand that we sell here that does pretty good in the red oh, bottle nice. blast yeah yeah the blast you got to pump it into the ac system yep. give the vents a little spray. oh really okay oh yeah you pump it because that's where a lot of stuff settles so when you turn on the ac or the heat you get all that blast of smoke so you got to and you should also have the the fresh air intake in your car you don't want to just like yes you don't want it 
recirculate recycle it absolutely all little tricks yeah paul another little trick is take uh, rent the car out of the airport as opposed to a local place because they they don't pay as much attention to it Um, right and what but what do you think these rental car places do when they get cars with smoke in it they go to the car they have a car wash and they do the exact same thing as i'm i'm doing but they're going to charge you 250 bucks right right yeah yeah so it's you know, it's, I'm not breaking any rules because they get the, they're getting the car back probably smelling as good or better. This so has cool. been a riveting, riveting segment, by the way. Right? <laughs> so, Coop, Coop, before, I'm sure you got some questions from Michael, yeah. but before, any other news or you, is that it for the week? Um, there's there's some other stories that broke. I mean, I'll just mention them quick. Placencia's got a new release right now. Uh, they have a new uh, Hexagon Colorado Claro under the Almaforte line. So Amaforte is one of their more popular lines. The Hexagon is a six-sided cigar. Literally, it has six sides. They use a mold with that. And it's been out for a while, and now they're releasing it with a lighter-colored wrapper. It's still a Nicaraguan Puro. All right. Yep. And we'll have some other little stories up on the uh, the KMA site as well. All right. Any questions for Mike? So, Mike, um, I, I know you touched a little on this just before I came on, but... How surprised were you with the reaction that you got when this story came out Wednesday? Um, <clears throat> I'll be honest, and transparently, Coop, you and I even spoke about it. I know, I know. That's why I want to. I I wanted to be careful. How I mentioned this. Yeah. I I was hoping, obviously, for um, for a great response, but when I look at the historical response to um, some of the news over the years, there's always a little bit of that um, conspiracy theorist and uh, and uh, trolls, and so I was I was anticipating some of that, um, but I really haven't seen it. the 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 genuine emotional um, support and enthusiasm is just it's really amazing, and on all the platforms at LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram, it's just been overwhelmingly positive so you know i i'm i'm just floored by it i'm really floored by it yeah i mean i kind of you and i talked about this i wasn't worried because i've seen other scenarios like maybe in the same boat and people in the industry just tend to when something like this happens to a person that has done a really good job and is very likable they usually rally behind them so i was I was glad to see. Let me put it like this, Mike. I don't know if I told you this. My IT guy called me up about an hour after the story, and he says, "What's going on on the website? There's a lot of traffic hitting." And it was, I guess, an alert. So that's only happened one other time. It's when they canceled CigarCon, um, wow. and that and that actually took it down. But he said, "Hey, I'm just letting you know there's a higher amount of traffic than normal right now." Is what he told me. Um, and I'm like, "Yeah, something big came out today." So I can't. Like, yeah, it's all good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, another thing I'll ask you is because we've been talking. I know I just talked about this on. We were talking about smoking tobacco show early on, and I was on there Wednesday. And I know we were talking about different tasting seminars. And, and while I never got a chance to go to your tasting seminar, a lot of people. I actually got to see it on video, and, and, I, and it's very unique, different than some of the other ones. Are you planning on doing the, the tasting seminar, bringing back back on the road show as part of Ferio Tego? I've thought a lot about that. Um... What made our tasting seminar unique, I mean, look, I came from Davidoff, so it's not a secret that I was inspired by the hanky tasting and then wanted to sort of put a unique spin on it. The unique spin that that we put on it um, was the the 
combining of those different tobaccos and tasting them in tandem in your mouth. That was something that, that no one had done before. Um, and so yeah. that was, that was really a point of pride and it was a lot of fun to be, to put two and three and four different yeah. tobaccos in your mouth and puff. Uh, it made it memorable. It made it fun. And, um, and it also made it possible to really understand how, Perfectly good tobaccos, when put together certain ways, actually create terrible flavors. Um, but as always, what's happened over the years is more and more companies um, are are replicating to some degree that action and that behavior, which makes ours a little less unique. So I'm not sure how I'm going to evolve the education component. But what I will say is, is education is critical to our industry. We have to really continue to commit to educating people about the process, about um, how to taste, how cigars are made. It's all so important because it's going to continue to um, give us these points of differentiation um, that we need to prop up in our endless battle against um, being bundled up with other tobacco products. And we all agree premium cigars are different. We all agree that they are a hobby, not a habit. And so we have to do things that reinforce that messaging and education, in my opinion, um, is probably the most important thing we can do. So um, I love doing the tasting seminars. I would imagine that we would continue to do them. But I don't know if it would be the focus of our education. Maybe we evolve into into some other um, some other level. But you know, again, my my goal is to do is to be the most helpful partner to every retail partner I have. And so, if our retail partners um, feel strongly about offering those tasting seminars, then absolutely I would do it because that's what they need and that's what their customers want. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Like I said, after I saw you, the videos of the multiple, like, burritos in the mouth, I mean, it's, I know it's a habit I've gotten into as well when I've gone on various trips and smoked burritos. It, it's a very interesting experience, and you, you learn a lot from that. And like I said, it, it you know, I think we're always educating, Mike, what we're yeah. doing over time, so that's, that's important. All right, I'll ask, I'll ask this question. If you couldn't get the brands back from Nat Sherman, was Ferry Otago still a go? Yes. Okay. So my, my plan A was Ferry Otago, new business, new brand, start from scratch, slow roll it, figure it out. Um, I had the support from manufacturing partners if that was going to be plan A, that, that they, would, um, they would be there to help. So I, I knew that, that it, at least my best effort, that was going to be um, my plan A. Obviously, then once the idea struck to potentially do the brands, it became a much bigger proposition. Um, so then engaged with uh, my partner, Brendan, um, who I can't remember, Abe, if you've met Brendan or not at a I'm show. I'm not he's, sure if I have. He's been at TAA with me. He's been at IPCPR with me. I mean, we've, for I'm all intents and purposes, we have been partners for the last nine years. I mean, we've done it side by side building up um, our cigar business. So it, it was really a, it was a no brainer to bring him in and, and, um, and 
really continue on side by side. Uh, but yeah, Ferry Otego was the play. How many job offers did you turn down? Um, truthfully, I yeah. did not receive an really? offer from any from any company. Okay, I have right, lots let, me of clarify, let me clarify. How many people reached out to you? Um, yeah, lots. Yeah, and some some cigar, some outside of cigar. Um, you know, that was also really heartwarming. You know, to 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 get so much outreach from folks um, who were who were interested in seeing if there was a fit. That was that was uh that was amazing. It certainly it certainly took a lot of the pressure off, um, and and really gave me an opportunity to kind of weigh every option to figure out what is going to be the best option for me. Which I think is how I how I answered the question the last time we were on the show together. Abe was um, you know with with the soft landing that employees got that I really was 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 able to scrutinize every opportunity to figure out which one is the best for me and for my family long-term. And Ferry Otego is, is the play. Awesomeness. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, It's that's so awesome. awesome. I'm so jazzed. I really, I'm like so excited about it, man. Um, I can't wait till you start having a team of employees underneath you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can start playing wiffle ball in the back office. In my in my endless commitment to not make money, <laughs> I guess I should unsend my resume. Then hold on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, I actually I've gotten a lot of outreach, and I'm grateful for it. Lots of outreach from from people um, saying things like, you know, I would love to work for you. Let me know when you have a team together, and that's that's so incredible. But then you know, I feel funny writing back like, I'm on day three. And uh, there is no money. There's nothing left. We're, there's, we, we, have, we have exactly a budget of zero dollars. So I have, a, I have a question we haven't discussed. Um, we got a few minutes left. So is the plan, will there be an office? Will there be a warehouse? Will you be distributing out of your own building? Or have you not figured any of that out completely yet? We've, we've started the work. Um, to solve for those problems. So that's begun. We haven't made any final decisions. There's lots of there's lots of options for route to market, whether we do it in our own warehouse, whether we find a uh, third party warehouse to do that fulfillment, as is quite common in um, humidified storage, um, or whether we partner with another company as a as a brand that is part of a, another portfolio. I mean, those are the basically the, the three scenarios that exist in the industry. And then no different than scrutinizing my own path. Um, you know, we have to figure out what is the best move for, for long-term. So we're in the process of doing it now. You know, the, we have time, right? We're, we're going to jumpstart now with manufacturing the product. We know what that timeline looks like. We have to print materials. We know what that timeline looks like. So if we're talking about not needing to, not be, even being able to sell anything until probably uh, April, that gives us a lot of time to really scrutinize all of the options, find the right path and partnerships and facilities, and then uh, and then we go. And Evan, you're hired, bro. Stakes and cigars, <laughs> I got it. That's funny. 
Yeah. You'll work for steaks and cigars. By the way, I've known I've known Evan since I was twenty two. No, um, really? Yeah, he's, he's, he's from know up there. It. Yeah, he's from Jersey. You did know that. In fact, I think I think okay, when you moved to Florida, I reached out and gave you a heads up. No, you sure, man? Pause. I've known I've known him since my Davidoff days, no, Madison no. Avenue. No, listen. I knew he knew you from New- Madison Avenue. I just didn't put two or in New York. I wasn't even sure, man. But I just didn't put two. I never heard it was that long. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah you, he just showed up one day, right, Abe? No, Jill, Jill Myers Rubenstein put us together. Oh, I think they live in the same complex. She had known him. She had done some events with him, and she said, "You and Abe have to meet." And she literally brought him in like. 30 days before one of our great smokes and I was trying to listen to him, but I couldn't listen to him. And I finally just said, look, my friend, can we like talk again, like in 30 days, you know, and whatever. And then he ended up reaching out to me like three or four months later. And, you know, he's like venereal disease. I'm stuck with him now for the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah. But now at least you have a certain amount of antibody that can, that can deal Uh, with it. Let me, let me tell you something. My, Initial exposure to Evan and, and the Red Meat Lovers Club, I think, was good for at least that first six months where I was going like to almost every dinner. I think it was good for at least twenty pounds. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm, I, sadly, I might even think I'm exaggerating. Oh, he's so a great cool. dude. All right. Well, listen, we're gonna do our cigar insane asylum. I'm excited because it's a new intro. We had yeah, it ready last not. year. We didn't. We didn't have. <laughs> we did a where am I instead of insane asylum. And, Based on um, my intro, Abe, it sounds like I'm in the cigar insane asylum by by being an entrepreneur and starting my own company. Based on the way you laid that out, you would think so. But wait till you hear the guy <laughs> oh, we got boy. this week. All right, here we go. I, I really don't want to play this. <laughs> Welcome to the cigar asylum. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and reason cease to exist. This week, Honest Abe, who belongs in the Cigar Insane Asylum? All right, here we go. This week's inductee really has a warped sense of humor or some really strange morals. Now, I really couldn't believe this is a true story. Uh, but it seems like it is the Danish equivalent of the BBC called the DR, I guess, has introduced a new animated series. that's making headlines. The show is geared towards four to eight year old children and features John Dillermand, the man with the world's longest penis. There he is. He overcomes hardship and challenges with his record-breaking genitals. Unsurprisingly, the series has provoked a debate about what good children's television should and should not contain. Since Since premiering Saturday, opponents have condemned the idea of a man who cannot control his penis. DR, the Danish public service broadcaster, has a reputation for pushing boundaries, especially for children. The DR responded to the latest criticism by saying it could just as easily have made a program about a woman with no control over her vagina. Why? Why? (laughs) And the most important thing was the children enjoyed John Dillerman. Yeah, 
DR, Danish radio, Danish broadcasting, whatever DR stands for, you guys are a bunch of kooks. And you belong permanently in the cigar sitting asylum. Was his schlong on a grill? Yes. That was a real story. Yes. 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 His schlong was lighting the grill. In the grill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Well, at least they clothe it. He he clothes it. What? You know, he puts. Yeah. That was that was truly awful. Awful. I had to I had to source this. I saw it online and I had to source it, but three major news organizations picked it up worldwide. Oh yeah, uh, including the Associated Press. So the, the, we used a, a different article because I like the way it was written better. But it is it is legit, and they're still airing it. It aired last week, and it's it's still airing. I mean, if it was on um, what's that late night thing that MTV runs? What's it called? Liquid Cartoon Network. Um... No, no, no. There's like some like mostly adult cartoons. Um, yeah, Adult Swim. Adult Swim, right? Yeah. It was an Adult Swim, yeah, but a right. children's network? Right. Like, you go from Mr. Yeah. Rogers' Neighborhood to Mr. Schlong? I mean... <laughs> now, the more important question is, uh, is it subtitled in English? And can we watch it? I mean, <laughs> well, that's what that, we need to we, find we, out. Does it really need to be subtitled? Find an episode. <laughs> well, that is truly, truly that's awful. That was listen, Mike... Wow, wow. Patricia Briggs. I may be wow. interested in this show. Wow. <laughs> Before we roll out, can I get a little fight talking with Coop? Yeah. yeah oh, so, Coop, I, I asked you, I prepped you, what's your 2020 fight of the year? I'm still evaluating it right now. I don't have a oh. I, have, I, ha, I have to still finalize it, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's almost Valentine's Day. For oh. I know, I know. Dude. I prepped him on the 19th. I told him I was going to ask him this question. Uh, yeah, I should have been ready. I'm not. Who was your fighter of the year? Uh, my fighter of the year, Tiafimo Lopez. That was mine, too. And that's also my fight yeah. of the year. Um, not just because of how great the fight was. I mean, with Vasily Lomachenko, that fight, I believe, was up for grabs in the 12th round. But uh, with his win, to me, it really ushered in a, uh, a new generation of young fighters that are all within the same range between Lopez, um, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Javante Davis. There's really an exciting young crop coming up that like, I haven't really felt this way about since like the welterweights of the late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think there's a lot of exciting things to look forward to in boxing um, the next few years. I mean, even the heavyweights right now there, it's still an intriguing situation there which we haven't had that in a while. So I, I think there's a lot we're going to be able to see over the, over the next like, 18 months for sure. We don't need any more Tyson fights. I'm going to agree with you on that. Thanks. You guys are fine. I think, I think Alex should do his own spinoff sideshow. He really should. He gets Listen, so adamant. I can't and, pronounce and, half the names. I'm a fight guy, guy man. I'm a boxing yeah. guy. I'm, I'm a, a boxing bo- guy first. Yeah. Yeah. He's Mike. from Philly. He's from Philly. They're, it's a fighting culture there, though. Boxing's huge there. I would, I would, if I had to pick an event, like rather than a Super Bowl, I'd rather be at a Vegas, you know, Floyd Mayweather yeah. or one of the. I've never experienced that Vegas fight night atmosphere, and I'd love to. You, you know, we were talking, my wife and I, about. I mean, I'll never forget the fight in Vegas. It was a uh, Holyfield and Bo in Vegas in the open arena, right? And, and this right. relates to some of the stuff we saw this week. And you remember the guy who came out of the parachute, the, the fan man, the fan man. Yeah. And do you remember what happened when that guy landed in the ring? Security beat the daylights out of this guy. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, there was, I remember the security. There's videos of the security guys with the old big cell phones just whacking this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, 
the security of Vegas could have been better than the security we saw this week in Washington. I was like, I said that because I just remember how they descended on this guy, and it was like he didn't have a chance. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Michael. I want to wish you all the best. Absolutely. I see great success ahead for you, my friend, and looking forward to see all the magnificent things that you're going to accomplish with your new venture. I want to thank you for bringing it to KMA and uh, jumping on our show uh, this week and letting us get the scoop on uh, the, the future of uh, you and your partner and your new company. Coop, once again, thank you as always for joining the show. Thank you. Alex, Paul, who do we got next week? I threw out my sheet. Oh, Nick Perdomo. Nick, Nick, Nick thank, thank, you, thank you to Nick for being uh, so accommodating. I really Extremely agree. gracious and understanding. So, yeah, it was very good. Very kind. And uh, we'll see you guys all next week on KMA Talk Radio. You want me to, to close with that video you want me to play? Oh, did you get it? Yeah, I, to- I, oh, I guess you didn't see my text. I'm no, not- no, no. Go ahead, play it. Let's, let's take a look at it. I love it. All right. Believe it or not, The Great Smoke 2021 is around the corner. It is going to be a game changer of an event. It always is, but this year, even more. Because not only will there be an intimate live event, it's also going to be virtual which means you can get your party in a box sent to your house and you can participate in this event wherever you are comfortable participating in. Maybe it's your basement, maybe it's your garage, your front porch, your bathroom, whatever it is, in your car. What's with the car guys, by the way? I mean, a neighbor's house, a neighbor's front porch, the back porch, the backyard, it doesn't make a difference. The value of your ticket is $450 and it includes everything you're going to need to participate in this event virtually, but it's only 169 bucks. So buy your ticket, join us for the Great Smoke 2021. I love the hair, whatever you had going on there. Dude, I don't know what was going on with that. It's a good hey, At least you can have something going on. So <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Appreciate it, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Keep it lit.